Welcome to the Creation Grounds Podcast, where we break down the success, habits, and the life of people in creative fields, discover how they've gotten to where they are, what they aspire to be, and how you can live your dreams too. Let's get to the show. Welcome to another episode of the Creation Grounds. I'm sitting here with a cast member of the Soldiers Play. His name is Jimmy Gary, ex-NFL star. Um, before we get into that, I'm really excited about this topic because I think it's a great topic for actors. Um, we all face rejection daily and we're creating, um, we need to create a, a mindset for ourselves internally about how we minimize obstacles. So Jimmy Gary, we're going to get into your topic. Okay. Um, where did it all start for you? Oh, it started for me in Florida, in a small town, Okeechobee. In Okeechobee, Florida, uh, Seminole Indian Territory, okay. which is wonderful, you know, you get a lot of different cultural things, but uh, I actually started out um, playing peewee football, okay. you know, but my artist side came in, um, my grandfather, when I was seven, he bought me a pair of drums and a trumpet home from work, mm-hmm. and from that point, I started playing around with the trumpet and the drums and uh, that kind of started my artistic that's the first time where I figured that wow you know I can create something mm-hmm. you know I had the instruments the tools to do it and it just went on from there um, I started uh, I was playing football basically from the age of seven and I realized I was really good at that and uh, that kind of took president over everything else besides mm-hmm. my education okay so even though i was an artist at heart um the acting wasn't even in my uh it wasn't even in it was in my body and my soul but it wasn't the right time for it okay you know? what was your what was your earliest memory um, growing up my earliest memory in life believe it or not when i was like and i still remember this vividly but I remember a lot of it um, it was my I was three years old and it's crazy that I can remember that uh-huh. I was three years old and my mom had a birthday party for me my family everybody was there mm-hmm. and they had me sitting in it sitting in this well sitting in this chair the cake was on the table and I was sitting in the chair and they had like a little booster thing on the chair so I can sit up taller so uh, when it was time to blow out the candles, I stood in the booster chair and just jumped two feet first into the cake. <laughs> you jumped it. into the cake? That's hilarious. Yeah. That's because funny. Because I, you know, it was, I don't know, I was one of those kids where. Causing trouble. I wasn't, I wasn't causing trouble, but I just didn't fear anything or anyone, which yeah. is a great trait to have. But as an adult, but as a kid, you know, it's like, you got to, uh, be afraid of something or something's going to happen to you. Right, right. You know, you have to be afraid of putting your hand on this hot stove, you're Mm going to get burnt. For sure. But as I got older, I guess I got a little wiser, you know. But, uh, um, yeah, stepping in that cake was my big thing. And and my sisters and, you know, my family that remember that, they still talk about that. That's fine. And tell us about um, your start of football. How'd you get interested in football and what brought you to be the number one high school recruit in the country? Yeah, you know, I played football when I was, I started playing when I was seven. So when I, when I started playing 
um, football, it was just something that we did as kids, you know, in the park. Mm-hmm. We just ran around and play, and um, it kind of got crazy because we were playing tackle football. Okay. With no pads. Right. And I remember these two two friends of mine, they were, like, really going at it, and they were just running in, into each other head first. Okay. With no pads, you know. Like, it was that crazy. So I learned how to play football in a um, environment where it was more like a gladiator event. Yeah. It wasn't like football. Football is a whole lot safer than than what I used to play. Um, but I didn't... I just played. Mm-hmm. It's like acting. You right. know, if you're in your head, you know, it's not going to come out the way you want it. For sure. And so football is the same way. I didn't think about it. I just did it. It was fun, mm-hmm. you know. So my freshman year, I left Okeechobee and I went to South Fork, which is about uh, 45 minutes to an hour away. Mm-hmm. And I moved with my father because I was raised by my grandmother, but I moved with my father so I can go to South Fork. Mm-hmm. And... It just so happened that during that move, South Fork brought in a coach, Lou Saban. Okay. Former professional NFL coach, yep. coach in high school. And I was there playing for him. Wow. And after that year, not even after the year, um, I got injured during the season. And we wasn't as good as we thought. Lou Saban was coaching varsity. I was a freshman on the freshman team. Mm-hmm. And so we had an open week at South Fork. So I drove down to Okeechobee with um, some friends. Mm-hmm. And I saw Okeechobee play. And they beat the number one team uh-huh. in the state at that point. It was Pohokee, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Cane fields, you know, those fast guys chasing rabbits and stuff, uh-huh. you know. And they beat him. And I was like, wow, I want to come back to Okeechobee and play. Yeah. These are my friends. These are the guys I grew up with. Yeah. You know? And so when I, I went back to South Fork mm. that next day, you know, um, that Monday, I went to school. And I checked myself out. I withdrew myself out of school. Mm-hmm. My parents didn't know about it. And I advised I don't advise anyone to ever do this. Right. Especially young people, kids. But I, I withdrew myself from school, and I called Okeechobee. I called the principal and told the principal I withdrew myself from school, and I'm, going, I'm coming back to Okeechobee on Tuesday, the next day. Wow. And I was back in Okeechobee the next day. Playing football. Playing football. Wow. And uh, that obviously takes a unique mindset. You know what I mean? So it's, You know? So, yeah. What, you were obviously the number one recruit. You were a powerful football player. Mm-hmm. Um, what did it take beyond the skills, the mindset? What's the number one mindset that you would help you at that? And help have you get fun. To have fun. Yeah? When you have fun, you don't think about stuff. You don't think about how you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the greatest things a coach ever told me was, if you're going to make a mistake, make it 100%. Yeah. Because if you make it 100%, there's a great chance that nobody will catch it. For sure. Nobody will catch it. You know, so my my mindset was just to have fun and to compete with myself. Mm-hmm. You know, compete with myself first before I competed with anyone else. Mm-hmm. Because I had to get over those moments when your mind is telling you, stop, you're tired. Mm-hmm. Just stop. You can do it. You know you can stop. 
it's okay, stop. But then I have that other little person pop up that say, no, don't stop, keep going. The person that you, you're playing against, he's working out too right now. He's mm -hmm. going too, you know. So it's kind of one of those things where you have to psych yourself out. It's a little bit of self-motivation. And I think that's the key when you're talking about mindset is that anybody with a great mindset um, to where they, you know, use their, their great mindset to accomplish things in life and all that, um, they have one thing that I think every successful person has, and that's purpose. For sure. It's a purpose. Mm -hmm. Why did I want to play football? I grew up in a family that was struggling. My, raised by my grandmother. Mm -hmm. There's times where I didn't, we didn't have toilet paper. All mm -hmm. the little pennies I would save up. Mm -hmm. Probably every two and a half weeks, it'll be taken for toothpaste, toilet paper, and I, I, I didn't, I didn't care, you know. Right. So it really created an entrepreneurship spirit in me because I'm like, wow, I gotta help make some money for the family. For sure. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. So while these other young guys in high school, they're playing for the girls, mm -hmm. you know, they're playing because their dad wants them to be this big-time football player. I was playing because I wanted to support my, my grandmother. Right. And my sisters and stuff, you know. Yeah. And um, so with a mindset like that and you have a purpose behind it, I don't think you, can, you can't be stopped. You know, you may run into some obstacles, mm -hmm. but your mindset, your clear focus and purpose is going to get you through or around that obstacle. Yeah. You know, now the final test that comes up, though, is when you finally meet, you get to your final destination as a football player and you get into college mm -hmm. and everybody's there. Everybody that's in college is you. Yeah, yeah. They were, the, they were the high school stars. They were the ones, they're driven by purpose, mm -hmm. everything, you know. And so once you get to college, that mindset changes a little bit. To what would you say? In, in college, it became more about representing your state, representing your high school. You know, I, I came out of Florida. I was the number one running back in the country. Mm -hmm. So I had to go to West Virginia and really show them that in one of the highest football recruiting states in the country, mm -hmm. I was number one. Why was I number one? Purpose. Purpose, but what I do on the field, too. See, the purpose drives what you do on the field. Right, for sure. So people wanted to know, you know, how can you run like that, man? What what are you thinking when you're running through the holes? That's This is what guys used to ask me. You run through the holes so fast. And you can cut so quick. What What are you thinking? I, I tried it. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. I can't do it. And a lot of things is, you know, a lot of people get in their heads, mm -hmm. in their minds. But for me, my, my purpose went from wanting to take care of my grandmother, my family, to representing my hometown, representing the tri-state, you know, the treasure coast, I mean, uh, representing the state of Florida. You know, just representing and also for myself. Yeah, for sure. You know? I think that's I think that's really important. Just having that um, going into that purpose and also just yeah. 
want it for yourself, having yeah. that hunger. You've been acting for a while. You have a lot of titles um, in a long career, a long filmography, and uh, been on TV for a while. So this podcast is geared towards artists, towards actors, but I do think that there's a, a mindset that athletes have that can benefit actors. So what mindset do you think, coming from an athletic background, could benefit like artists? What can they adopt, I, adapt? I, I, I think, I think, you know, one thing for an athlete is teamwork. For sure. And one thing about football or any sport is that you're going to find out who's the weak link in the bunch, the weakest links in the bunch, mm -hmm. you know? And on really good teams, when you find out, you can see, you don't call them out, but you can kind of see who's struggling with things. Mm -hmm. You help bring that person along. Right. You know, um, in acting, it's the same thing, especially doing theater. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, you're, you're there, you're rehearsing, you're doing a play, and if your fellow actor over there struggling with something, Mm. And it's a scene that you're in, and they say, "Look, let's meet up later so we can do it. You know, we can work the scene. You know, that's your duty to do that. Mm -hmm. That's your duty to help that person next to you. Yeah, you know, and that's that. That's what it's about. And some actors don't even enjoy. I wouldn't say enjoy. They don't even like other actors helping or talking to them about stuff. Everybody's so in this, you know." School is yeah. ruining a lot of artists. artists. Mm -hmm. It's ruining a lot of artists. You know, schooling, acting school. Yeah, yeah. Not the acting school, the professors that's teaching it. You oh, know? right, right. These kids come out and they're robots. They they don't live life. You know, mm -hmm. they, you know, it's like, there's no rules to this game. Yeah. I've gone into auditions and freaking knew I, I just knew I bombed it and ended up booking something, you know? Yeah, so that that's interesting that you say that because there's a lot of obstacles that happen like that with, uh, you know, going into an audition, feeling like you, you, you bombed it, but it's not always the case. So that's, that could be an obstacle. What would you, what do obstacles mean to you, Jimmy Gary? What do they mean? Because obviously you, you overcome the obstacles. So it's a different kind of meaning for you so what, what I, mean? I, you know what I'm ignorant when it comes to obstacles so they just don't exist I don't see them that's I don't mean. know it's an obstacle there you go I don't even know it's an obstacle I just think that's part of the course right you so know? you take it as a learning experience well it's, it's, it's not even a learn well, I'm going to learn from I learn from obstacles and also learn from taking the right path you know because you can take the right path and get there but then realize when you're there there was a quicker way to get there or there was a way that you could have got more out of it. So I kind of just enjoyed my journey, mm -hmm. you know, and when it comes to obstacles, I just deal with them as they come and drive through them. Uh, but it's like, it's, it's, it's just a part of life, For you sure. know, August Wilson said, you know, um, in one of his plays, you know, in life, you got to take the crickets with the with straights. The straights yeah. yeah, and that stuck with me because life is an emotional roller coaster. You're gonna go through it, but as an artist, though, you want that. Yeah, you can use it. You want that. I mean, you—that's <laughs> any good actor. They're drawing from their life experiences, mm -hmm. you know. So you want that, 
that's why it doesn't bother me. Yeah, that's real, man. Um, so you left the NFL, right? Um, and you were homeless, living in a car for a while. Well, I left I, uh, left the NFL uh-huh. um, because I got injured, and so I, I was like, okay, NFL is done. I got offers to play in Australia, play rugby. Yeah. I got offers from other teams to come play, but I was hurt. You know, I was injured. And it's like, I was thinking like, man, you know, I get married and have a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be able to run around with my kid and this and that. And with the injury that I had, it's it was like, okay... This injury over time can get bad. So yeah. I'm like, okay, let me stop putting all this uh, pounding on my joints and, you know, switch careers. So I went back to West Virginia and uh, got into the acting program. Mm-hmm. This is after I already had a history degree from West Virginia. So this is a second degree, my BFA in acting. And what's crazy is that I wasn't supposed to do it. Well, yeah. I was in acting in the acting studio. Yeah, and you're not supposed to audition for any films or TV shows or anything while you're in school. Ah, yeah, right. And uh, there was an audition in Pittsburgh for a movie called Better Days, mm-hmm. and I went on an audition just to go try this acting stuff out to see if it was working. What my professors were teaching me, and I booked it. Okay. You know, and shoots in New York. So I called my professor and said, hey, listen. I said, Jerry, I'm sorry, man. He's like, what you apologizing for? I said, I went on an audition. He was like, God damn it, Jimmy. You know, he was like, no, I'm just playing. So how'd it go? What happened? I said, I booked it. Mm-hmm. He said, well, that's great. That's great. Even though you're not supposed to be going on auditions, that's great. And he was like, when does it shoot? And I'm like, it shoots next semester. And he was like, oh, well, Jimmy, you want to, he was like, where is it shooting? I was like, it's shooting in New York. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, you're going to miss, you know, your school. Your school. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you're right, you're right. I'm just going to stay and finish school. He said, nah, go do the movie. I came to do the movie in New York. Better Days, wonderful film. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was released video DVD at the time with all the blockbusters and everything. And I was living, I was living with the director at the time. Wow. And uh, while I was shooting, the director was like, "Okay, just stay with me. You come in, you know." And so after we finished shooting the film, I'm still, I don't have anywhere to go. Right. I'm in New York. Ah, uh, okay. So you start. I'm not even in school. I had to leave school to shoot this film. Right. So I'm not in school. I'm in New York City, and I have nowhere to live. Mm-hmm. So the di- the director, God bless him, he passed away. Norman Linton, wonderful director. He suggested, said, "Why don't you just? You got a, you know some money, you know? Why don't you just uh, just buy my white car? I mean, it's broken down, but I sell it to you for a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. You know." And I was like, "All right." So I bought the car from him. Mm-hmm. Got it fixed. Cost me about two hundred bucks to get it fixed, so I got a car for three hundred bucks. Wow! And I lived in it. Yeah. How long was that? How long were you living in it? Close to six months. Wow, man! That's I would park in Queens. Yeah. In Jamaica, Queens. Stupid me. In Jamaica, Queens. Yeah. 
And I was just, you know, sleep and wake up and go to the gym in the morning, change and do everything I had to do, you know. Until, you know, I'm sleeping and then I look up and there's guys, people peeking in the windows, you know, just crazy stuff. So I I, I kind of changed neighborhoods a little bit. Yeah. Just for a little safety for myself, you know. But people ask me, they're like, so, man, wasn't you scared or upset? You was homeless, you know. I'm like... I was too ignorant to even understand. That goes into your obstacles. You don't see that. That's part of the obstacle. Yeah. Ignorance is not a negative thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, a person, you know, one of the craziest things is that a, 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 my dad used to tell me a story about how strong the mind is and things like that. You know, he said a man went into the hospital and he had been living with cancer for nine years. Mm-hmm. And it was bad, but he wouldn't die. Mm-hmm. He just wouldn't die. He didn't know he had cancer. Mm-hmm. He just knew something was wrong with him. Mm-hmm. He didn't know what it was, you know. Went to the hospital. That ninth year, he went to the hospital. His wife couldn't take it no more. Mm-hmm. She said, "You losing weight. You gotta, you, you gotta go. You know, to the hospital." He went to the hospital. And the doctor told him he had cancer. As soon as he, he found out he had cancer, mm-hmm. he passed away. Wow. So sometimes not knowing, it lets you know how strong the mind is. Right. You know, and he passed away because when he found that out, he knew he was dying. Right. And when the doctor, you go see a doctor and the doctor tells you, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but you got cancer. I'm like, for me, if that happened to me, I'm like, man, shut up. Right? Don't don't talk to me like that because mentally, they can do something to you and take you down. And I lost my mother from cancer, so I've been through it. You right. Know? But the mind, the mind is strong. I've been around people who beat it, yep. and I've been around people who didn't. You know, and so when I bring that back to, you know. Um, my trials and tribulations in Jamaica, Queens, mm-hmm. um, my mindset had to be on point. I had to be very aware of a lot of things. And I hit the pavements. I hit the pavements. You know, I had my one suit and hit the pavements, New York City, go to the gym in, in Queens and New York Sports Club, you know, take a shower, then hit the pavements until I booked all my children. All my children. Yeah. There you go. That was I, your first. Your no, first. Yeah. My first was all my. All my children wasn't my first film. It was my first television show on that scale, on right, a national right. scale. Yeah. And I mean, from that point, man, it just kept going. You know, mm-hmm. it just kept going, and you know, I just uh, kept plugging away and mailing headshots out, and and just meeting people, getting auditions, and and. 18 years later, you know, I got probably, I don't know, I stopped counting, but 38 or 40 professional credits. Tell and us about, tell us about some of your credits. Um, cause right now you have, you said you have, you're working on three, three movies and you, you're on orange. Yeah. Orange New Black, you're on the path. Yeah. Um, and you have three films coming out. Yeah. Do you, I have a film, I have a film, um, called First Match, uh-huh. uh, with Netflix. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful movie. It's um, 
It's about a young girl who's a wrestler, high okay. school wrestler. And, uh, you know, she's living in the inner city. Mm-hmm. And she has a very challenging life. And you kind of see her go through this journey, mm-hmm. you know, um, and how wrestling kind of helped her. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't, don't want to give away everything, okay, but, you know, that's just one, one part of it. Um, and I got another film that I, that I did that, uh, is pretty cool, man, because I play a scientist. That's interesting. In it. You know, a big black guy. You always, I'm always being cast as some security guard, or police officer, or something like that, you know. Um, but I was, I was grateful to be able to play a scientist scientists in a sci-fi film it's cool you know and uh it's um it's just an amazing feeling to be on set working in an environment to where you know you can be yourself and you know people not treating you like that stereotype character that you've been playing because they treat you how your character is right there's nothing, anything negative about it, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just like when I'm on set playing a police officer, people walk up to me and treat me like a police officer. Right, right. Everybody want to ask me everything, you know. Or if I play, you know, security guard or CEO or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. it's always that authority thing. But a scientist, I was just a regular person. I was just, you know. Yeah, in your lab coat. And- yeah, it was in an insane asylum. Okay. You know, and the movie's called uh, By Dawn, uh-huh. and it is going to rock, I'm telling you, man. Yeah, when's it come out? It's a, we don't have it, it's not a date yet. Oh, no it's date. It's not a date yet. All this stuff's just happening, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. So, they don't have a release date for that one yet, but First Match has a release date with Netflix. But, it's going to be a really good film, man. I'm excited, and also they're talking about sequels and in everything, I mean, the film is so good that yeah, they took the the first studio they took the script to, they signed it right away. That's cool, man. Congrats. Well, thanks, man. Thanks. You know? So I think from your story, we've covered a couple things. So this purpose, being oblivious to obstacles, so you could break through them. So to kind of wrap this up, there's probably an actor out there right now, uh, maybe who is feeling hopeless, who's been through a couple of auditions, they've been rejected 10,000 times, they can't find a job, they, their rent isn't paid, they're on the brink of giving up, but they know that this is what they want to do. They have that purpose, they know they want to get this done. To that person out there who needs that uplifting hand, that motivation, what would you, Jimmy Gary, say to that person so they can get through I would it? just say, you know, tough times don't last, but tough people do. There we go. That's just it, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean... You're going to go through it. Every actor in this world, I don't care if their mother or father is uh, royalty, acting royalty. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in this business, you're going to go through it. You know, just because you get a big role on a television show or things like that or a film, you know, that can make your career or it can break your career. Right. You know, you do a bomb job, you may never get a job again, you know. So, my... What I would say to that person sitting out there is uh, listening is tough times don't last, but tough people do. And you have to always believe in yourself at the end of the day. There we go, man. You have to believe in yourself because at the end of the day, you're in control of your actions. Absolutely. 
Absolutely, yeah. man. Um, how can people find you, Jimmy? You have social media. People, oh yeah, man. I have social. People should have too many social medias, but you can find me on uh, Facebook, mm-hmm. um, Jimmy Gary Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, G A R Y Jimmy Gary Jr. My southern accent sometimes kind of. Uh-huh. You know, I gotta spell it for people sometimes. Um, Twitter, J Gary New York, New York spelled out, mm-hmm. and uh, Instagram is J Gary New York, New York spelled out, and um, what was it Twitter, Instagram, Facebook? I guess that's that's it. That's it. It's simple. Mm-hmm. It's simple. You know. But don't be, hey, send me a shout out. I respond. I talk to people, you know. I'm a busy man. I'm I'm still on my grind, just like everybody else. Tell me about the play you're in right now and who you're playing. Well, right now, I'm in a I'm in a show, um, a soldier's play, which is a classic by uh um that's being produced by the Negro Ensemble Company, which produced the original uh production. And I am I, words can't even describe my my uh, my joy to be a part of this piece because I remember as a little kid watching the movie on TV, you yeah. know, seeing Denzel Washington, Samuel Jackson, see all these guys, and I'm just sitting there looking, and I was glued to the television. And years later, I'm in the same production, yeah, and I'm actually playing a character that I thought I would never ever be able to play because he plays the guitar. And you going, you playing that guitar, man. You doing it every day. Hey, I'm playing it. I'm playing, playing the guitar. And before this play, I probably touched the guitar once or twice a year. Yeah. In my life. Yeah, I actually had to teach myself. Yeah. Like the, the tunes for this piece. You taught yourself those songs? I wrote, I did the music for it. Oh, wow. That's dope, man. Yeah. The words were in the script. Mm-hmm. But I had to lay the music under it. And so I just stayed in my basement, man, and and that's where it comes in is like, that's not an ob that wasn't an obstacle for me, right? Not being able to uh, to play the guitar when I'm playing a character who plays the guitar to me it's not an obstacle. You right. just go learn how to play the guitar. There we you go. know, Solid. it's that simple. You go you go learn how to do it. <laughs> that's yeah. cool, man. Well, I think this is a very valuable podcast episode, man. Thank yeah. you for coming on. Um, and much success with your films, your Netflix stuff, and uh, the film that's coming out in a couple of years. Oh, definitely, man. I just want to give a shout out to all my people, my family, my friends in the Bronx. In the Bronx? In Mott Haven, in the Bronx. You no, know, my friends, they, they, they really good. They hold me down, man. Awesome, that's man. It. Thanks yeah. for coming on, man. Anytime, brother. That's it for this episode of The Creation Ground. I'm your host, Aaron Lloyd. Be sure to check out our Instagram for future and previous guest info and check out our YouTube channel in the show notes below. Email us with any suggestions at thecreationgrounds at gmail.com. And if you got something out of this, I'd really appreciate if you spread the word and the love. Until next time, this is Aaron Lloyd telling you that the sky is the limit. Stay creative.